past week we have seen the world reacting to the reconversion of Hagia Sophia in Istanbul from a museum back into a mosque by a decision on July 10th of Turkey's President Erdogan. The so-called Christian world, especially in the East, has been riled by this move. Patriarch Kirill of Russia indicated it would cause deep pain to the Russian people. Pope Francis has also expressed his great sadness. While Istanbul, or Constantinople as it was known historically, was the new Rome of the East following the demise of the Western Roman Empire, and it's considered to be the bridge between Eastern and Western churches, that is the Catholic and Orthodox churches, or the Latin and Greek churches. Quoting from a news report on uh, CBC on July 11th, Hagia Sophia, or Divine Wisdom in Greek, was completed in 537 by Byzantine Emperor Justinian. The vast dome structure overlooked the Golden Horn Harbour and entrance to the Bosphorus from the heart of Constantinople. It was the centre of Orthodox Christianity and remained the world's largest church for centuries. Hagia Sophia stayed under Byzantine control except for a brief seizure by Crusaders in the 13th century until the city was captured by the Muslim forces of the Ottoman Sultan, Muhammad the Conqueror, who converted it into a mosque. In 1934, Turkey's first president, Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, forging a secular republic out of the defeated Ottoman Empire, converted Hagia Sophia into a museum. Well, mosaics depicting Jesus, Mary, and Christian saints that had been considered idolatrous by the Muslims and had been plastered over were uncovered through arduous restoration work for the museum. These mosaics, we believe, stand as a witness to the judgments that God brought by the Muslim forces who were stirred up by the idolatrous practices of the Christians in the 13th century to come against them as described in the sixth trumpet of Revelation 9. Following the fall of Constantinople, or Byzantium as it was known in 1453, the seat of power moved north to Moscow, establishing what has been called the Third Rome, under the control of the Tsars. France 24 interviewed reporter Nick Holdsworth in Moscow on the reaction to Erdogan's decree on Hagia Sophia. Let's have a listen to that interview. France 24's Nick Holdworth is standing by in uh, Moscow. Nick, why such a strong reaction by uh, Russia's Orthodox Church then? Uh, this uh, cathedral turned museum, now turned mosque, has always been uh, at the very heart of uh, Eastern Christianity. Um, it, it's revered as the site of the um, founding, if you like, of Eastern Christianity uh, in Constantinople, as Istanbul was called uh, back in those uh, days uh, at the end of the Roman Empire. And therefore, it, it holds a particular uh, special place in the hearts of uh, the Russian Orthodox community. And the Patriarch Kirill spoke about this earlier this week in very, very strong terms, saying that um, uh, converting it to a mosque would be an attack on all of Christian civilization. It would cause deep pain to the Russian people, and he reminded uh, the nation and the world that um, 
relations between Russia and Turkey are developing dynamically, he said. Um, so, I mean, all of that is true. I mean, relations between Russia and Turkey, sometimes strained, sometimes positive, are dynamic. So, uh, to the Eastern Church, this is at the very heart of their belief. This is where very early um, heads of the church were uh, crowned. Um, there's an enormous amount of history and tradition involved here. And this decision by Turkey comes just a week after Russians voted in a plebiscite for a new constitution, which specifically states that Russia is a Christian nation. That's never been in a Russian constitution before. And it kind of also cements the return to power of the Russian Orthodox Church after years out in the cold during the Soviet period and under President Putin in the last two decades, an increasingly close, almost symbiotic relationship with the Kremlin. So for the Russian church, and indeed for the Russian state, this is a big shock. And uh, there will almost certainly be some kind of vocal uh, protests here in Russia, as much as there has been celebration in Istanbul by some today. Well, as you say, Nick, uh, the Russian Orthodox Church has made no bones about its feeling uh, on this move. Could there be consequences politically when it comes to Russian-Turkish relations? I mean, this almost certainly will put a lot of stress on relations between Moscow and Ankara. Um, the, the Russians and the Turks have... Um, a very interesting relationship in, in many ways. Uh, Erdogan, uh, the Turkish president Erdogan and Russian president Vladimir Putin, uh, mirror images. They've both built their careers on a very strong man image. They've both involved uh, their respective religions closely in the state, uh, in Russia, Christianity, in Turkey, uh, Islam. Um, they're very similar. They work together quite well at times. They've been working quite closely together, uh, trying to get ceasefires, trying to forge a peace plan in Syria. But there have been some very difficult moments. Just over four years ago, the Turks shot down uh, a Russian fighter jet over the Turkish-Syrian border. And Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, turned around and cancelled all flights of Russians and Turks between the two countries. Um, more recently, they have been making progress on Syria. Uh, Erdogan and Putin negotiated a ceasefire and uh, a safe passage corridor around Idlib in March. So, I mean, the relations are difficult, but they are in many ways constructive. This decision, which seems to have been taken in Turkey to shore up President Erdogan's position there will certainly put stress and strain on diplomatic relations between Russia and Turkey, and we may see some kind of response. There's been no response yet from the Kremlin, but we may see something. Earlier this week, Russian MPs uh, were appealing to their Turkish counterparts to stop this move in Istanbul, so there will be ramifications. All right, well, with those uh, possible uh, ramifications keeping us up to date, Nick Holdsworth, uh, you're in Moscow. Thank you. We should note here the connection made with Putin's new constitution, which states Russia is a Christian nation. This is a major and significant change that has occurred since the fall of atheistic communism in Russia. Looking forward prophetically, we are given to expect a union between Europe, Russia, and the two factions of the Church, the Roman Catholic in the West and the Eastern Orthodox in the East, prior to Armageddon. This is depicted by the Eastern Dragon and Western, Western Latin Beast and False Prophet of the Sixth Vial of Revelation, which John saw.
Three unclean spirits, like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of demons working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Revelation 16, verses 13 and 14. The Christadelphian commentator John Thomas wrote extensively on this subject, including in the book The Exposition of Daniel. He also relates these events to Daniel chapters 8 and 11. He writes, The prophecy concerning the king in the 8th chapter is evidently descriptive of the Latino-Greek power in its pagan constitution, that is, prior to Constantine. Known in history as the destroyer of Jerusalem and Judah, the people of the Holy Ones, but with a hint also of its future ecclesiastical peculiarity, as appears from the testimony that through his policy he shall cause falsehood to prosper by his power. These few words are descriptive of the character or nature of the power since Constantine the Great set up its throne in Constantinople to the present hour, and will be so preeminently when its administration shall pass from the Sultan to the autocrat of all the Russias. As the head of a confederacy of the adherents of the Greek and Latin churches, it will be his policy to cause their priesthood, their priesthoods to be respected as useful cooperators in the subjection of Europe to his will. The ecclesiastical policy of the Constantinopolitan autocracy is enlarged upon in the description of it set forth in the 11th chapter, where it is more particularly regarded in its Catholic constitution, without taking into the account the division of the Babylonian superstition into Greek and Latin Catholic churches. Whatever may be the individual prejudices existing between individuals of the two schisms matters not. Their ecclesiastics, whose spiritual authority is death-stricken by infidelity on the principle of self-preservation, will have to place themselves under the shadow of the autocrat, as Greeks and Latins have already done in the present dominions of the Tsar. That's on page 57. Therefore, it was with great excitement when we heard John Paul II, the Pope who worked with Ronald Reagan to orchestrate the fall of communism in Poland, say the Church must breathe with her two lungs, by which he meant the Western and Eastern halves of the Church. Ecumenical cooperation between the Pope and the Patriarch of the Russian Church has continued as we know since that time. It's quite exciting to watch. What reaction there may be to Erdogan's move with Hagia Sophia remains to be seen, but ultimately Turkey as a remnant of the Ottoman power of the Euphrates will continue to dry up, and cooperation, willing or otherwise, between Russia, Europe, and the Eastern and Western churches will bring about the picture that Bible prophecy requires. A move by Russia into Istanbul, asserting the claims of the false prophet over her holy places, would not be a surprise if we are still here to see it. Russia will then be firmly positioned as the King of the North, in preparation to invade the glorious land. We pray the Lord Jesus Christ will soon come, whose right it is to reign over all the earth as King of Kings. For at that time, the King of the North, having failed to take Jerusalem, 
shall come to his end, and none shall help him. This has been Daniel Billington with you this week. We invite you to check out our website at www.bibleinthenews.com and to return for another edition of the Bible in the News next week. <music>